Testing one, two, Miguel. Testing, hello, Miguel. Don't understand what's going on here. Hello, one, two. Welcome to That's Agritastic, the show that celebrates agriculture across the country. I'm Pete Emmons, your host. Our topic today is integrating farm to school. Joining me is my very special guest. It's Miguel Villarreal, Director of Child Nutrition and Warehouse at San Ramon Valley Unified School District in Danville, California, and former chairperson of the National Farm to School Network Advisory Board. Hey, Miguel, welcome. Good morning, Pete. Glad to be here with you. Hey, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to provide great value information on this critically important topic. Now, your career spans an amazing 40-year period uh, in the field of nutritional service. So, so first of all, what was that initial driver that got you into the field? Yeah, well, you know, Pete, I've always been interested in, in uh, nutrition, and so uh, actually the very first job right out of college was, uh, thanks to my professor, was in a school district. He said, hey, they're looking for a nutritionist, you should apply. And um, long story short, I did apply. And 40 years later, I find myself retiring from this endeavor. But, you know, uh, we've been able to meet the needs of many children and communities um, by providing them uh, healthy foods and, of course, opening their eyes to the impact of, you know, local foods uh, to their health, to the uh, environment and to the planet. Excellent. So when you look back on your career, and I know we could take the whole show and just talk about highlights and accomplishments, but <laughs> if you were to just pick a, a, a couple of freeze frame special moments, things that you're really proud of that you're able to accomplish, what would those be? Yeah, you know, uh, thank you for asking the question. It's an excellent question. It's, you know, uh, Pete, the, the answer is pretty simple for me because the first 20 years um, that I worked in this industry, we I personally and with others worked really hard on trying to bring attention to our program and the the what we were doing and the the as I said earlier the the positive um, benefits of providing healthy foods to, to children, uh, but it just wasn't uh, being recognized by the community at large. So to answer your question, that's been for me um, the. the uh, if you will, the, the, the most um, important thing that I've seen happen in the last 20 years is that the recognition from our local communities and the fact that they are looking at food service programs as a hub for nutrition and wellness in their communities and the, and the impact it can have on children. Uh, so that's led to so many other things, as you know. I mean, um, for example, presentations at Stanford University to students every other every other semester to talk about the effects of um, not the effects but the, the benefits of providing healthy food to students in 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 schools and how that impacts communities as well so again that recognition that school food service programs can have a positive impact by providing locally grown foods in many instances real food if you will exactly N nothing synthetic about this at all. It's the real deal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Definitely. 
So uh, you have had many uh, affiliations and alignments. We're gonna get into uh, this much more a little bit later, but one of the biggest ones is that you've had multiple involvement for years in the National Farm to School Movement. Well, when did that start and why? Yeah, um, so that started back in 2002, Pete. Uh, and it for me, it was when I came to California uh, from uh, Texas, and I, and I recognized at that time that school district where I started working wasn't utilizing any of the local farms. And that, that just didn't make any sense to me because in that particular area, there were over 60 organic farms within 20 miles and none of that food was being brought into the schools. So it, immediately I just knew that something was wrong and how do we fix this? And so I started reaching out to the farmers and uh, connecting with them directly. And that led me to other, those farmers led me to other uh, organizations that were also networking with school, uh, with other not schools, but with other industries like hospitals uh, and so forth. And so, um, so that, that further led me to organizations like the National Farm to School Network. And I, I didn't know that there was an organization that had the same interest. And I, I, tell, I tell them, look, I finally met my people after all these years. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and what a difference that has made that organization too, and, and how it's helped everybody and helped yourself and districts around the country, 42% of school districts participating in that. Yes. Well, the last year certainly has not been like any other year. And I don't think in our lifetime, uh, including uh, school districts in terms of providing nutritional services and working with farms to provide fresh, healthy foods during these COVID times. And hopefully now we've, we've started to turn that corner and things are getting back to that new norm, if you will. But what have been some of the major related challenges that you've had to deal with in your school district or and that you've seen school districts have to deal with? Yeah, like you said, Pete, I think we could do a whole show on just challenges. <laughs> so exactly. It, it, but the biggest challenge is that we were, from week to week, these programs were, were evolving. Uh, if some people have said we were building, um, actually, I'm, I'm going to change the analogy. I'm going to say we were building the tractor as we were plowing the field. And so, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> every day, just constantly something new and constantly evolving. Um and, but we were persistent and we persevered through it all. And we had, you know, thanks to um, the school lunch uh, employees. I mean, we've got just over in this particular school district, we have over 100 employees. But if you think about uh, the employees around the country, I mean, they really literally just uh, uh, stood up literally uh, to the challenge and, and did a great job. In fact, Pete, in the, in the first time in, its, in our history, have we ever, I've never seen the school lunch employees featured on Time Magazine as essential employees. I mean, they were out there when COVID was at its highest and providing meals. So um, yeah, there were challenges. We had to keep people safe. We had to keep food safe. We had to uh, make sure the families were safe. All that was taken into account. And then the distribution lines were all kinds of problems um, and hopefully we'll get an opportunity to hear it to talk about the silver lining and all this for sure now many adaptations had to be made as you started to indicate a little bit here but some of the uh, adaptations have revolved around providing hybrid and remote meal provisions speak a little on that yeah, so USDA gave us a, some flexibility. There's no way we could continue providing the same type of um, service that we were before COVID, uh, such as waivers so in terms of the, like the time that we serve. Can we serve breakfast and lunch uh, 
at the same time? Can we serve multiple meals at the same time? So we were providing families uh, that were actually coming up to the curbside and providing, in some instances, uh, two days a week where they'd get, uh, uh, you know, whether it be three meals uh, on a Monday and, a, and four meals uh, on a Wednesday. And, and when I say four meals, we were also allowed to provide weekend meals. So we were providing actually seven meals. Some school districts were doing, we were doing breakfast and lunch. Some districts were doing breakfast, lunch, and supper as well. And Pete, um, you know, we live in a fairly affluent community. Um, and I've said for years that uh, it, it does not matter how affluent a community is. There, there are people in need. Uh, there are people that are struggling uh, regardless. And so the fact that we can provide uh, uh, food, uh, a, sub uh, a substance, uh, a, a natural um, uh, um, food for our uh, students, uh, that, uh, you know, it's going to help their uh, um their local, uh, you know, their expenses, if you will, uh, and offset uh, uh, some other expenses that they can, you know, uh, utilize in, in other areas. So anyway, food is so important. And we, we certainly focus on that this, this year and, and, and making sure that we're providing the healthiest foods we possibly could, especially during our, our COVID crisis. And doing many innovative methods to achieve that goal, including even having a drive-and-go curbside breakfast. <laughs> yes, correct. Uh, so we were doing that, and uh, many. And, and in addition to that, a lot of districts were also, Pete, um, doing home deliveries. Uh, so we had our, our transportation department, and uh, again in our school district and in many others, that were assisting in delivering. Um, uh, um, foods to homes because if you can imagine we have children that were at home in some instances mom and dad both working and, and kids at home without food uh, so the fact that we could deliver food at the beginning of the week to their to their home uh, was a big asset and so again this we saw this around the country as well this past year for the very first time uh, the United States Department of Agriculture initiated the farms Farmers to Families, a food box program. A little more on that. Yeah, so that was a, a new program. They were just trying, USDA was trying to utilize all this food that was in the fields because many, as you know, many restaurants had uh, shuttered or and or their, you know, businesses had just, um, uh, you know, had diminished to a low number, if you will. And so schools uh, and other organizations uh, were a way to get food from local farms into families. So they worked, they worked on this, uh, these distribution um, where they uh, contact connected with farms and distributors and then found a source to get the, the food out to the families. They call that the USDA family food boxes. And we signed up for that, Pete. And I'm telling you, that was, it was, successful. Um, we actually, in our school district, distributed um, oh, and over, a, I think it was over about a 10-month period, 60,000 food boxes, each weighing about 30 pounds uh, of food. Uh, so if you can imagine uh, the, the enormous amount of food in addition to the meals that we were serving uh, to our children. So it was a great program uh, that helped many families during that time. And you did say 60,000, not 6,000. 60,000, 60,000. That is fantastic. Now, is that a one-shot deal, one program, or is there yeah, yeah. That's going to continue next year? Or is that just meeting the current crisis? Meeting the current crisis. It's actually been discontinued, and there was a write-up about that not too long ago. So, you know, like when you start any program, you're going to have your 
um, your, your problems with growth and so forth. And so they, they decided to, that um, that program uh, had met its, 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 you know, the need of the families. Uh, and so now we're going back to concentrating on foods in schools for, for children. Right now, we do want to give a very special shout out to all of our great show partners that make our program possible. UTC's Farm Market in Plain City, Ohio. Holbrook and Manter CPAs of Central Ohio, Liberty National Bank of Marysville, Ohio, and Culver's Restaurant of Marysville. You'll find great products and services at all of our show partners. Miguel, let's look ahead a little bit, talk some more about the National Farm to School Network and the impact that it is having and the impact that it has made. You've commented a little bit about it uh, in the first segment but speak to us on the mission of the organization. Yeah, so, um, you know, the network, the National Farm to School Network has been around for, um, you know, a couple of decades uh, and doing an excellent job and reach, helping um, many institutions, not only schools, uh, hospitals, universities, uh, nonprofits and so forth, uh, really focus on, foods that are being grown locally and, and brought into schools um, or these institutions, uh, focused on the education about that. I mean, that's another key component is, you know, why do we want to do this? And the, 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 that education piece is so critical. Um, and then, of course, uh, I should say, I shouldn't say, of course, but a, a part of that education process is also our school gardens and making sure that, you know, we, uh, uh, built the, these school gardens into the into the process. Uh, so if you look at a, a three-tiered process, which it's the procurement of, of, of local foods, the education around local foods, and, and including uh, um, uh, school gardens in, in that process. Um, and then, of course, it's just like anything, it's very complex and detailed and changes from community to community. But, you know, the, the network is there to support, and they've got a a great website with lots of resources um, for everybody. I mean, I said if you if you're if if you eat food, you should be a member <laughs> because it's just it it impacts all of us. And of course, we have to do this as a community. It can't be done as a single uh, focused uh, affair, such as a school helping to improve the health and wellness of a community, no, or a school district. It has to be the entire community coming together, and that's the way we've been able to be successful uh, when we see school uh, communities that are that ex have experienced success. But the National Food uh, School Network uh, serves as a perfect hub for all these connections. You answered uh, partly, mostly what I was going to ask you next, and that is what has really contributed to the continual growth of the program. As I mentioned earlier, it looks like about 42% of the school districts in the country uh, participate in the National Farm to School uh, program. So is it that local uh, desire for local fresh produce, the whole focus on, on health and food connection uh, and people working together to meet that growing hunger need? Yeah, what absolutely. No, that's it. That's it. Uh, it again, and it, it primarily focuses on the education that's been delivered and getting people involved. You know, you have to change the uh, the mindset of, of not only the people in the in the institutions um, to say, you know, we we have to concentrate on providing foods that are healthier for our students, but we can't do this alone, as I said. So we have to do it as a community. So how do you get the community engaged as well? Um, 
to move in that same direction. Uh, and it is a, it's a mindset change that uh, doesn't happen overnight, but uh, in the end, it's, it's one of the best programs that you could possibly offer because it's, you know, in addition to improving the health, you're also the long-term impacts If we really, you know, just stop for a second and think about the long-term impacts on health and, and the health crisis that we currently have. I mean, you, you look at obesity, diabetes, heart conditions, um, um, those kinds of things, you know, you look down the road. I mean, we're, we're, we're trying to uh, avoid um, those uh, types of illnesses. Uh, so, but the only way to do that is to make sure that we're everybody, everybody in <laughs> the schools, the, the families at home and the communities um, uh, are also uh, all on the same page. Absolutely. And of course the, the selling point for farmers, I would imagine would be, here we have another source of revenue for them. Uh, seeing statistics, five to eight uh, percent additional revenue available for participating in this program. Well, our time is rapidly moving through uh, on our interview here, so we want to uh, continue on. Uh, but if you look in the Great Ag Crystal Ball, I always like to look in the Great Ag Crystal Ball. What do you see really evolving? in the next three to five years for the National Farm to School Organization. Yeah, I've, in fact, I've got that crystal ball right here on my desk. I'm glad you can open it and crack it. You've got the, <laughs> you've got the magic. I'm, I don't have that magic. I'm, I've been looking at that crystal ball for a while, and we I, we know exactly what's going to happen. So what's happened um, most recently is that USDA has approved universal free meals across the country at every school district. That means that any child at any school can, can walk into any school lunchroom and receive a meal, okay, number one, uh, without having to pay for it. We've been advocating for that for years. Why? Because it, it truly is going to make an impact on the entire food system. Uh, and in addition to making an impact on the entire food system, it's also going to address equity issues. So it's going to level the playing field. So now you don't have kids that are some kids that are free, some kids that are uh, have to pay. And those kids that are in between that, you know, they don't eat because they don't have enough money. And um, and it just creates all kinds of, uh, of equity issues. It also removes any social stigmas uh, that are happening in many schools with students like, oh, you know, I don't want my, my friends to know that, you know, my parents don't make enough money and I'm, I'm you know, I'm on the free lunch program and I have to eat in the cafeteria. No, this is a time for all children to get together. And those that want to eat can come in the cafeteria and feel good about the fact that they're, uh, they're getting a meal. You know, the one thing that I've been saying and many of us have been saying is that we, A, in public schools, we don't charge kids for uh, their books. We don't charge students for the, the teachers that are in their classroom and we shouldn't be charging them for the food that they receive. So it's going to make a huge impact uh, on uh, on our programs uh, across the country, because you're going to see the demand for for healthier foods uh, being asked from our parents uh, and the schools that are wanting to provide better services to these to these uh, uh, stu students in their schools. So um, it's that's the silver lining in all this, Pete, is the fact that uh, we we are now at a at a at this juncture where we can provide uh, more. Uh, healthy foods to students without the fact of without worrying about whether they have money or not. And the program is going to continue to evolve and grow. The need is certainly not going to go away. 
The National Farm to School Network can be found uh, all over online. It's at www.farmtoschool.org on the web. You can find them on Facebook at facebook.com slash National Farm to School Network. That's National Farm to School Network. You want to check that out. Miguel, if anybody want to get a hold of you, to contact you, ask you a question, what's the best way to do so? Yeah, I'm going to give you my... Um my address, um, not my school address, because I won't be here much right. longer, but I'll give you my other address, which is um, my personal address. It's my last name. I'll spell it out for you. V as in Victor, I-L-L-A-R-R-E-A-L, -L -L, and then M-I-G, the number 13, at gmail.com. Perfect. And we will post that information up on our That's Ag Grotastic Facebook page, as long as as, as well as the platforms for the National Farm to School Movement. Hey, Miguel, thank you so much uh, for sharing this great insight today. And we look forward to talking to you again in the future as you continue the next chapter in your exciting journey. Caduce to you for your outstanding leadership in the San Ramon School District and all that you've accomplished that and all the districts that you've worked with and your contributions nationally to this critically important topic. Wish you much success and thank you again so much for your time and professional talent. Thank you, Pete. Always a pleasure. Miguel Villarreal has been our very special guest today. Hey, we'd also like to do a special salute to all of our show partners, Liberty National Bank of Marysville, Ohio. You'll find great rates for ag, commercial, and residential businesses combined with outstanding individualized professional customer service. Check them out today at myliberty.bank office Marysville. Culver's Restaurant of Marysville, Ohio, offering that special butter burger value baskets and also cod, multiple other types of baskets available daily fresh custard, shakes, floats. They're open 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Monday to Sunday. Go to culvers.com slash restaurants slash Marysville dash Ohio. Welcome to Delicious. It's Culver's Restaurant. Utsi's Farm Market of Plain City, Ohio. They are your one-stop shop for fresh produce. Amish cheeses, deli meats, and much more. They're open Monday to Saturday with weekly specials. You can speed up your order by calling it online as well. You can find them on Facebook and on the web at utsi'sfarmmarket.com. That's utsi'sfarmmarket.com. Utsi's Farm Market, it's worth the drive. And Holbrook and Manter CPAs of Columbus, Ohio, with over 100 years of professional service and real ag experience. They are your source for accountants that know the farm industry. Holbrook and Manter is ready to help you grow and sustain your business. Today, go to www.agribusinessaccounting.com. That's agribusinessaccounting.com. Your patronage and support of all of our show partners is deeply appreciated. Well, join us again as we continue our ag journey across the country and follow us on That's Agritastic for show details, ag announcements, and much more. Until then, this is Pete Emmons saying, make it an agritastic week.